in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Holy God, let your spirit uh, manifest himself here today. Holy Spirit, exalt the name of the Lord in this place. Uh, let the people of God be transformed through the revelation of your word. Let nourishment come. Let joy come into lives, into bodies, into homes, into businesses. Joy that comes from the presence of God. Lord, your word says that um, the yoke will be destroyed uh, because of the fatness. Let the fatness of your presence uh, be experienced here today. And let it destroy every yoke of bondage in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles this morning uh, to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we started a, a series a few weeks ago on the priestly ministry of the believer. The priestly ministry of the believer. And um, in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 5 and 9, we actually have what I call our theme uh, verses for the whole series. Now this morning I'm going to be focusing on 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 5. Now these are verses that you ought to meditate on and um, you ought to be able to quote these verses of scripture because uh, we've been talking about them for, for quite a few weeks now and you should have been meditating on these verses. Amen. David said, my, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against thee. Amen. 1 Peter 2 5 it says, you also... As living stones have been built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So we also as living stones have been built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Um, we've talked about the fact that you and I are priests unto the most high God. We're a kingdom, a kingdom of priests. We're a kingdom of priests. You don't need to wear a, a cassock to be a priest. You don't need to be ordained to be a priest. The Bible says that he has called you and he has ordained you as a holy priest to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Now, uh, this morning, I'm, I'm really going to focus on the kind of sacrifices that you and I offer to God as holy priests, which are acceptable to him. Because one of the first things a priest does is to offer sacrifices. Amen. So we need to know what kind of sacrifices we have been ordained to offer to the Lord that are acceptable to him. Now to start this, let us turn to um, Exodus 29, just to get a sense of how priests functioned in the Old Testament. As we know, the Old Testament is really the New Testament concealed because the things that God did through the Old Testament uh, were really types and shadows which will be fulfilled in the New. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. All right, that's why Jesus said that he has not come, you know, to, um, you know, to abolish uh, the, the law and the prophets. He has come to fulfill them. He has come to fulfill the law. He said, I am the fulfillment of the law. I am the one everything in the Old Testament was actually talking about. It receives its fulfillment in me. But sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's quite uh, useful to go back and see how things were done so that we can understand what God had intended for the New Testament. 
So Exodus 29 verse 38. Look at what the priests did. Now this is what they did um, on a daily basis. It says now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year day by day continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb shall be one-tenth of an ephah um, for flour mixed one-fourth of a hin of pressed oil. You know what? Let me read it from the, mess, uh, the New Living Translation. I think it might be easier to understand uh, some of these terminologies. It says, these are the sacrifices, verse 38, you have to offer regularly on the altar. Each day, offer two lambs. Uh, that are a year old, one in the morning and the other in the evening. With one of them, offer two quarts of choice flour mixed with one quart of pure oil of pressed olives. Also, offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Offer the other lamb in the evening along with the same offerings of flour and wine in the morning. It will be a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. These bond offerings are to be made each day from generation to generation. Offer them in the Lord's presence at the tabernacle entrance. There I will meet with you and will speak with you. I will meet the people of Israel there in the place made holy by my glorious presence. Yes, I will consecrate the tabernacle on the altar. I will consecrate Aaron and his sons. To serve me as priests, then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord their God. I am the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord thy God. Now we can see from here that um, the life of a priest was a busy life. He had stuff to do every day. There were sacrifices he offered every day. In the morning, in the evening, burnt offerings were being offered. You know, um, offerings of oil, of wine, of grain um, in the presence of the Lord. And the key things here I want you to notice is the result of that process. He says, as you serve me as a priest, as you minister to me daily, I will meet with you. And I will speak with you. And all men will know that I am the Lord your God. Now you and I do not offer burnt offerings and sacrifices anymore. Uh, we do not observe feast days. And we have no need to offer wave offerings and sin offerings. Um, because we are in the New Testament. But still as priests unto the Most High God. Our calling hasn't changed and we offer sacrifices and the result is the same. The result is the same. Because as we serve as priests, we have the privilege of ministering to our God and he meets with us. And he speaks to us. And as a result of the nourishment we get from his presence, we will truly be separated from the world in our operation as a matter of fact you know this is a greater testament than the old testament 
Because when Paul um, contrasted the old with the new in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we read this last week, so I'm not going to turn to it today. Um, he used certain terminologies for the Old Testament when he was comparing it with the new. For instance, he called the Old Testament the ministry of condemnation. He said, even though the ministry of condemnation was glorious, this ministry we're in right now, which is the ministry of righteousness, is far more glorious. He said, if the ministry of death was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not um, steadfastly behold the face of Moses because of the glory of his, the count, of his countenance, how much more will this ministry surpass in glory? He said the ministry of the Old Testament, the glory of the Old Testament is a glory that was passing away. But the glory of the New Testament is a glory that remains. Amen. So even though God met with them in the Old Testament and God spoke to them in the Old Testament, because the glory of the New Testament is far greater, the manifestation of the presence of God in our lives is far greater. Everyone say amen. amen. Because you know in the Old Testament, when people wanted to seek God and uh, get direction from God, they will go to sometimes a priest, you know, the kings will go to a priest um, and uh, the priests will consult the Lord by what was called the Urim and the Thummim and uh, they will get direction as to which way to go. You know, David went to the priest and said, should, um, went to the Lord and said, should I go into battle? And the priest will consult what they call the Urim and the Thummim um, and they would get counsel from God. Or people will go to a prophet and uh, the prophet, by the word of the law, the spirit of God will come upon the prophet. And the prophet will give direction. He will tell them the way to go. Or sometimes the spirit of God will come upon a king. And the king will know what to go. But the glory of the New Testament is far greater. We don't have to consult with priests anymore. We don't have, because we are holy and royal priests. We don't have to consult with prophets to know the way to go. We don't have to consult with kings because we are kings. Kings of the Most High God as well. And God has moved his temple into the hearts of men. So we can behold him face to face and consult with him directly. If you are consulting with a prophet for direction, you do not understand the privilege that is yours in the, Old Testament, in the New Testament. The ministry of the prophet in the New Testament is not to give you direction. That is not the ministry of the prophet in the New Testament. Because the Bible says as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Yes, a prophet of God can confirm a word of the Lord that you have already received. But never take direction from anybody regarding what God wants you to do in your life. The only direction you should take is from the word of God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. He will send people to confirm the word. And the person doesn't have to be a prophet. It just has to be a child of God that is filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't need to consult with priests anymore. Because we are a holy priesthood and a royal priesthood. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 10, 
verse 27. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. So as priests of the most high God, we offer up spiritual sacrifices and the plan of God for us in this testament is the same as he had in the Old Testament, just greater. As we offer up these spiritual sacrifices, the Bible says he will come to us and he will speak to us. Amen. He will come to us and he will speak to us. God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. If he did in the Old Testament, believe you me, he's doing it in a far greater way in the new. If we are not experiencing it in the new, then it is because we are not functioning properly as priests. I mean, it wasn't an uncommon um, occurrence for God to speak to his people in the Old Testament. I mean, they expected it. In fact, before kings went to battle, they, they went to consult with the Lord. And when they consulted with the Lord, it wasn't a vague response. I mean, they didn't go into battle without knowing what the outcome was going to be. I mean, read the Old Testament. When they were in obedience to the Lord and they consulted with the Lord, they won every time. I mean, every time. Now, if the Apostle Paul calls the Old Testament a, a ministry of death when compared to the New Testament then it means that our counsel and our access to the presence of God and the clarity of God's direction for our lives can be even more clear than in the Old Testament. So we need to press into this. We need to press into this because this is the covenant that we're in. The Bible says we are the temple of the living God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16. As God has said, I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That is why it's different. I don't have to go anywhere to find God. He's here. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't have to go look for him. He is here. He said, I will dwell. I will move into them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. You know, the reason why the nations of the world were afraid of Israel was because Israel had a God. And they knew Israel had a God by virtue of the supernatural manifestation in the operations of Israel. They knew, I mean, there was a king that couldn't understand how come all his strategies were being uncovered. And he wondered if they had, you know, some kind of uh, traitor in their midst. And they give counsel to the king that Israel has a God. All our schemes are being revealed to his prophets. So they knew that Israel had a God through the demonstration of this God in their lives. They will know you have a God through the demonstration of your God in your life. This is the high calling to which we have been called. These are the things we must press into. The Bible says as holy priests, like the priests of old, we offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Now, what are these spiritual sacrifices? What are these spiritual sacrifices? 
Yes, we know that they have eternal impact. Because when somebody offers something that is spiritual, the impact is eternal. You know, the Bible says all flesh is grass. The glory of man is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. Only the breath of God, the word of God will endure forever. Only things that come from the spirit will have a lasting impact. And that is why even though in the Old Testament they offered sacrifices, they were limited to offering physical sacrifices. But now as God's holy priesthood, we are now offering spiritual sacrifices with greater impact. With greater impact. Now, what are these spiritual sacrifices? Let us begin by looking at Romans chapter 12. You know, when the Lord wants to take you to the next level, he gives you revelation. He gives you revelation. You know, I sense that the Lord is taking us to the next level. He's taking us to the next level. Because he gives us revelation. He's given us insight. You know, whenever you had an army, the army, there were times that the army would, you know, would camp. There are times when the army would march. And there are times when the army would fight. The time of encampment was as important as the time for marching. Because in the time of encampment, encampment where, where they, they rested, they recuperated, they, they received sustenance. But at some point, the sound will be heard to get up and to march. I, I, I believe that the Lord is preparing us to march. As a church, the Lord is preparing us to march. He has been preparing us for a few years. We've been receiving teaching after teaching after teaching. But I sense that we're going to the next level. Revelation is coming. We're taking a higher step. You know, I want to challenge you to catch up. Uh, are you with me? Uh, don't lag behind. Catch up. Go get the CDs. Go, you know, go feed on the word because we are going higher. Everyone say we are going higher. Oh, come on. Say we are going higher. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Hallelujah. Okay. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, the Amplified says it's your reasonable service and your spiritual worship. It says it's your reasonable service and your spiritual worship worship verse 2 says and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God so it says that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God and he calls it a reasonable service or um, our um, 
spiritual worship. Everyone say spiritual worship. You know, normally when we think about worship, we think about a slow song, don't we? Yeah? Holy, holy. Ah, ah. We're worshiping now. I didn't really like the worship today. I love the worship today. Now it says that presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is part of our worship. It's part of our worship. You know, worship, when we, if we try to define what worship is, worship is our response to the revelation of his presence. The way we respond when God reveals himself. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, one of the words for worship was the Hebrew word barak, which means to bow. It means to bow. And, and it wasn't uncommon in the Old Testament, whenever God revealed his presence, people will fall to the ground. Whatever people did in response to his presence was worship. So true worship, we enter into true worship whenever we bow our lives in response to a revelation of his presence. We're not just talking about external stuff. Oh, he bowed very low. So he's really worshiped. Ah, that brother. Mm, that brother. He, he knows how to worship. Do you see how he bowed down? We are the circumcision that worship God in the spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus. We, take, we have no confidence in the flesh. It is not in how you know, people look on the outside. God judges on the heart. He is a God that is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It says part of our spiritual worship, part of the sacrifices we offer as holy priests is when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice we're offering sacrifices aren't, aren't we but he wants a living sacrifice a living sacrifice whenever you offer your body as a living sacrifice you are entering into worship you know as we saw last week as we meditate in the word of god and we see more of his love for us and we see more of who we are in christ and acknowledge these things in our lives, the Holy Spirit fills us with his strength, empowering us to live holy lives, to live lives of purity, to live lives of distinction, where we are separate from the world, to live lives in which our members, our physical bodies, are not used for sin, but used to glorify God. Every time you do that, you are in worship. Are you with me this morning? You know, we worship a God that does not live in the realm of time. Isn't that correct? God lives in the realm of eternity. We are the ones that live in the realm of time. And because we live in the realm of time, we experience and do things sequentially, don't we? So, so today, uh, last night you were somewhere, but today you are worshiping. Are you with me? Now, now, the action last night 
and the action this morning and the action tomorrow in the office in terms of how we deal with the people that work for us come out of the realm of time into eternity and God receives them all and inhales them as your worship, as one. In one instant of eternity, he, he receives from your life all his expression, both last night, this morning, and tomorrow, because he is not in the realm of time. So our worship is how we bow down to him how we respond to the revelation of his presence and how we bow our lives to him. Whether it is in song, whether it is in our behavior, whether it is how, in how we speak, whether it is in how we treat people, it is all our worship. And that's why 1 John 1.9 is such a great verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Because whenever we fall short of the glory of God and we confess our sin, the blood of Jesus goes and deletes all of that. Are you with me? So in, he inhales pure worship from our lives. But God will receive great glory as we, re, as we, as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. We're talking about spiritual sacrifices this morning. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And that is why in your office, you are a holy priest. At home, you are a holy, holy priest. In that restaurant, you are a holy priest. You are carrying in your body the presence of God. You are a walking temple. And you are offering sacrifices to the Lord constantly. Constantly. Every morning, every afternoon, every evening. The presence of God is on the inside of you. And as a holy priest, he inhales your sacrifices. Whether it is in song, whether it is in dance, whether it is in your behavior, the sacrifice of a living, of, 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 um, living sacrifice of your body, whether it's in your mind, whether it's in how you treat your staff, he's inhaling it as your worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 4. Oh, praise God. Aside from verse 1, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough time, enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in the lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. You know, when I read this, I thought drinking parties were some, something that was new. I thought drinking binges were like were a new phenomenon in our, in our own century, but apparently not. Let me actually read this in the New Living Translation. I like the New Living Translation of, of this passage. <clears throat> in New Living Translation, let, let me start from, uh, 
Let me start from verse 1. It says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if, you've, if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You wouldn't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of evil things that godless people enjoy. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties. And their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you, but remember that they will have to face God. Who will judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So the Bible makes it clear that there ought to be a difference. Yeah? We've all done, we've all done some of those things. All right? But that's the past. Amen? Now you are a holy priest. Nobody has a right to condemn you anymore. When they see you as a holy priest, and say, oh, weren't you the person that, you know, we used to, yeah, we used to do that. But, but we don't do that anymore. All right? We now present our bodies as a living sacrifice because we are serving in a temple and our master is holy and his holiness affects us. Amen. Because the more we see him, the more uh, we become like him. You, you know, the, the, the Lord, for a few weeks, there's been a phrase from um, uh, Romans chapter 6. That, that has kept resounding in my spirit. And I wondered why. And you know, I'll just be walking around. And I'll just hear in my heart. You are not a debtor to the flesh. You are not a debtor to the flesh. Don't feel obligated. You don't owe the flesh anything. Are you with me? You don't owe your flesh anything. You are not obligated to make your friends feel okay. Are you with me? You're not, you're not obligated to make your old friends feel okay with you. No, no, no. You're not a debtor to the flesh. Because they didn't go to the cross to die for you. They did not shed their blood on your behalf. They did not go into the presence of God and speak to God on your behalf. They did not brand you with the Holy Spirit. They did not testify before God saying, that one belongs to me. You're not a debtor to the flesh. If you're a debtor to anyone, you're a debtor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, because Christians are nice people, we don't want anyone to feel bad around us. But more important than being nice, we're holy priests first. It doesn't matter if they slander you. It's okay. If they say you're no, more, you're no fun anymore, it's okay too. Doesn't mean you don't talk to them. Doesn't mean you can't, you know, beat them at pool or you can't go, go cutting and trash them, you know. But you don't do wild parties anymore. We don't have drunken binges anymore. And who can outdrink the other person? We, we don't do that anymore. That was the old days. Yeah? We've been redeemed now. We've been bought with a price. We have a higher standard. Because we know the Lord. And he reveals himself to us. You are not a debtor to the flesh. I'm saying that because it applies to somebody here. You're not a debtor to the flesh. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 verse 12. 
going to read this in the New Living Translation again. If you haven't got a New Living Translation, just uh, look up on the screen. I like the New Living Translation. It's, it's quite um, easy to follow. It's in modern English. Because sometimes we hide behind old English. Yeah. It doesn't really quite relate to, you know. So the New Living Translation opens it up. Comes into your own back door. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. How many people have sinful desires? Ever have sinful desires? Okay, most people are truth tellers. It, it didn't say don't have sinful desires. Sinful desires will come. While we're in the flesh, sinful desires will always come. Are you with me? Just like, you know, it is not, it's not through prayer that I have such a nice trim figure. All right? I mean, you, you do get a desire to binge sometimes. You know, like, hey, let's go, you know. And it's like, wow, the food is so nice. Let me eat some more. All right? But you know that every calorie that you eat will be banked somewhere. And it's not external to your body. It's in the body. So there's a manifestation. So we all have temptation. Temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Because a lot of time, the temptation, sometimes it comes from our own uh, desires that are twisted. But sometimes it comes externally. It comes from the devil. Are you with me? Because the last place you want to be tempted is in church. Yeah? How many of you have ever had a sinful desire in church? It happens. It's not a logical place to have a sinful desire, but it happens. And that tells you that it's not necessarily you. Because if you were going to choose where you will have it, it will not be here. But the devil hangs out. He... he, he he comes to drop a thought in your mind. So he didn't say don't have sinful desires. He says don't give in to them. Do not give in to sinful desires. Recognize that they are not from you because you are a child of God. Recognize that it is the enemy that is making a play for your strength. He's making a play for your strength. He said, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you, are, you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. We live under the freedom of God's grace. The power of God. The grace of God is the power of God. And we walk in the power of God when we commune with him. We walk in the power of God. The power to be free from sin. The power of grace. We walk in that power when we commune with him. Because the Bible says that it is those that wait on the Lord that will renew their strength. It is those that will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. If your life is, is uh, depleted of, 
is lacking of strength, go into the presence of God. Spend time acknowledging what God says about you. Spend time meditating on the word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in worship. As you behold the face of God, you receive strength to walk in the grace of God. You need strength to walk in the grace of God. God has not called you to walk this walk in your own power and in your own strength. It does not not matter how young you are, how much willpower you you have, you will fall because you are not dealing with flesh and blood. You are dealing with things that are not physical. So to walk in the power of grace, we must commune with God every day. As a holy priest, you must spend time offering sacrifices every day. Say to your neighbor every day. Say to the other person every day. Say I'm talking to you every day. The priests woke up in the morning and they offer their sacrifices. In the evening they offer their sacrifices. We are not debtors to the flesh. We are the people of God. So one of the first sacrifices we'll offer is a sanctified life. A sanctified life. A sanctified life. Because that is our worship. A sanctified life. The way we act. The way we speak. The things we do. Every time we do those things, just think of it as the best worship song you've ever sung. Because that worship is flowing up into the presence of God. Look at um, Hebrews chapter 13. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord loves his people. You know, it's amazing how many times you look in scripture and he talks about the love of his father. Or of love of the father for his people. You know, sometimes in your... In, 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 uh, in the unrenewed mind, we look at Jesus as the one that's on our side. And the father is the one that man, you know, just stay away from him. Forgetting that it was the father that so loved the world, that sent his son. Ephesians 2 says that, uh, you know, God, you know, because of his great love, with which he loved us, he quickened us together with Christ. Hallelujah. The love of the father for his children. The reason why you are hearing this is because the Father loves you. Amen. It's the love of the Father giving you his will, showing you his plan, and inviting you to come. Your response to this should not be, well, this is too hard. No, he's saying, come into my presence. Let me empower you. Because everybody wants to walk free from sin. Nobody really takes pleasure in sin. Yeah? Everybody wants to walk free from sin. He says, the, the secret is in my presence. That's why you are hearing this. It's an invitation to come. Hebrews 13, 15. It says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Wow. These are the sacrifices that please God. We're talking about 
Sacrifices acceptable to God. We are holy priests. It says we should offer continually the sacrifice of praise. You know, in Psalm 100 verse 4, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We're talking about how we enter the tabernacle. Yeah, the temple where God dwells. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. You know, thanksgiving relates to God's deeds. It is when we acknowledge what he has done and we express gratitude for it. You know, the Bible actually says in, uh, in the book of 1 Thessalonians 1 chapter 5, verse 18, it says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God through Christ Jesus concerning you. So thanksgiving is a sacrifice we offer continually. Continually. It says, in every situation, give thanks. It didn't say thank God for every situation. Someone listening this morning. Are you listening on this side of the room? It didn't say thank God for everything that's happening. He said in every situation you are in, instead of murmuring and complaining, look for something to thank God for. There is something in that situation that you can, you can still thank God for. We want, to, we want to be a thankful people, not a murmuring people. Because thanksgiving is a sacrifice that is acceptable and well-pleasing to God. You know, David said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. He said, soul, don't forget his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So Saul, I don't care how you feel. I'm going to thank God. Because in my situation, there is something I can thank God for. And as a priest, it is a sacrifice that I make continually, irrespective of what is happening around me. Because my God will never leave me nor forsake me. I may not have a job yet. I may not have a husband yet. I may not have the car I want yet or the house I want yet. I may not see the manifestation or have the manifestation of the healing I'm, I'm standing for yet. But the key word is yet because my God will never leave me nor forsake me. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. So even at this time, I will thank him. Even right now, I will thank him. When I have not laid hold in terms of my experience of the revelation of the breakthrough I'm looking for in my spirit, I know God is faithful. So even now, I will thank him. I will thank him. That is the sacrifice we offer. Thanksgiving. 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 When the devil is trying to distract you by what you don't have, focus on what you have and thank him. Thank him. He says we should offer the, the, the sacrifice of praise continually. 
continually. As I said, Thanksgiving relates to acknowledging what he has done and expressing gratitude for it. But praise relates to God's character. Where we lord who he is. It's a proclamation and exaltation of his attributes. Who is God? He's full of loving kindness and tender mercy. We sing it in song. We extol his attributes. We extol his grace. We extol his mercy. We extol his sacrifice for, uh, of redemption for humanity. It says, let the sacrifice of praise. Let us be a people that thank God and praise all the time. And when we do that, whenever we come to church, that praise and thanksgiving will bubble over in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. When you have praised in, 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 the, in languages that you know and you have re, you've reached the extent of your vocabulary, then the Spirit of God will bubble over and help you. And he will help you. And he will help you. And he will help you. Because that is what we do as priests. We offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Continually. A thankful people. A praiseful people. A worshipful people. Hallelujah. And lastly, in that particular verse, in Hebrews 13, 15, verse 16 says, Do not forget to do good and to share with those in need. Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. Notice what it does not say. It does not say, don't forget to do good when you finally get that contract you have been waiting for. Don't forget to share with those in need when you finally have the 100 million that you have been believing God for. Or God fulfills um, the desire you have to be a dollar millionaire by 30. After he fulfills that, don't forget to, uh, to do good and share with those in need. That's not what he says. He says right now, don't forget to do good. And to share with those in need. Our giving is always a demonstration of our faith. Your giving, like no other thing, shows you what you really believe. Yeah, your, your giving will challenge what you believe. It will it will challenge what you believe. What what do you really believe? Do you believe God meets your needs? So when he urges you to bless somebody, do you hold what you have? Or do you say, you know, God meets my needs. So from what I have, I can take some of the little I have and bless you. Your giving demonstrates what you truly believe. And when you share with those in need, when you yourself do not necessarily have everything, it is a sacrifice. Everyone say sacrifice. It is a sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God. Well-pleasing. Every time you do that as a priest, the presence of God on the inside bubbles over. God gets excited. Do you know the Lord laughs? Psalm 2 talks about him laughing. The Lord takes pleasure in things we do. He said, look, 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 look. Look at, look at him. Look at her. And he inhales your worship. He inhales your worship. 
we all as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God through the Lord Jesus Christ our bodies as a living sacrifice our behavior our words our thanksgiving our praise our worship our generosity are all sacrifices well pleasing to the Lord let us pray Father, we're so thankful for you have called us with a holy calling. You have called us to yourself. Hallelujah. Father, it is you that loved us and sent Jesus to die for us. It is you that has called us to yourself in salvation. You that have cleansed us. You that forgives us and enriches our lives with your presence. It is you that will never leave us, nor forsake us. So God, we offer up that which you have given us back to you as a holy priest unto the Most High God. We offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, empowered by your strength to live free from sin. We offer up thanksgiving and praise and worship because we love you, Father. I don't know if there's anybody here that does not know the Lord and is ready to make that step, take that step to know Jesus Christ. This is not a decision you take lightly. I'm not just looking for people to raise their hands. You need to be ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and live for him for the rest of your days. A recognition that you can't save yourself. You need a savior. He is the savior king. He went to the cross to die for you. You are here this morning and you want to boldly say, I've never prayed that prayer. I've never invited Christ into my heart. I want to do that today. I want to know who you are. I'm going to pray with you. Just raise your hand very quickly. Very, very quickly. Your life will never be the same again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you because the word of God is productive in our lives. In Jesus' name. 